There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, excited for the future and proud of the players. Speaking of excitement, better than sex. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. It's a midweek special. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Patrick Bamford to my Eddie Nketiah. It's Justin Peach. Prolific, pacey, better than Bamford. That's me, right? No, you, you really haven't got the hang of this anyway. Anyway, Justin, you've been away. How have you been? Yeah, busy, tired, you know, selfish family, organising weddings. Who well, do they think they are? I know, eh? it's ridiculous. You know, I'm trying to, trying to record a podcast and he... Decided to, you know, decided to get married. It's disgraceful. Disgraceful. But you had a good time. Not as not as good as I am now. Oh, thanks. I think. Let's go on with the matches. It's uh, obviously midweek. It, this, if you haven't listened to a midweek episode before, it's more of like a streamlined mm-hmm. version of the weekend show. So no polls, no in other news, no Craig Bryson pub quiz. But that's all back on Sunday, and you can listen to us then, and you'll get the whole second tier. Package the experience. The experience. <laughs> I like that. The second tier experience might go with that a bit more. Let's go with some matches then, Justin, because it's been an interesting couple of days. Mm. We'll start off with, well, the biggest shock definitely from the midweek games. That's Forest one, Hull two. Yeah, it's a massive result for Hull, who managed to pull this off despite being down to ten men for the last twenty minutes or so. And the thing is, Hull actually played really well here. They did. Um, I am surprised, obviously, Forrest they lost at the weekend as well to Wigan. So it's back-to-back defeats, something that is quite unfamiliar for Forrest. But, you know, credit where credit's due. Hull were, they were attacking, they were good, they were efficient. And um, it was a good away performance from there. Yeah, we'll get on to Forrest in a second, what this means for them. But me and Nick were saying on Sunday, how inconsistent a side Hull are mm-hmm. in their last four games they've beaten Wednesday and Forest, but also in those last four games they've lost to Huddersfield. Yeah. So it's hard to really nail them down. Mm-hmm. I mean they're fifteenth in the table at the moment. So in which direction do you see this Hull side heading? It's they're, they're gonna be bouncing between eighteenth to twelfth. It's gonna be one of them seasons for them. Um, there are a lot of teams in that area who are very inconsistent and Hull is just one of them. You say 18th. Do you not see them being maybe a bit lower, potentially? I think they've got enough... Well, they've got enough in Jared Bowen, Grzycki. We know what they can do. McGuinness is starting to pick up form, although he's suspended for the next game. You know, It's, it's a good time for him to be to, for him to be doing that and obviously getting, getting results away from home like they have against Forest. It's only going to serve him in good stead. Yeah, let's talk about Forest then. It's it was ten games unbeaten before the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They then lost to Wigan and Hull. Yeah. Two shocking mm-hmm. results. The Forest to get in the playoffs bandwagon yeah. has gone over some rocky <laughs> terrain. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because obviously they're teams that 
aren't going to dominate possession. So Forest are going to have a lion's share of the ball. They've had more impressive results being the team that, well, being the team without the ball. So less possession, they've they've been a lot more effective in my opinion. Maybe that's a weakness and maybe that's something that Lamouche has got to work on. Hmm. With, with the Forest bandwagon, would you say a wheel's come off and Sabri Lamouche has to try and put that wheel back on? <laughs> well, obviously he's got to change the tyre. But there I, isn't a tyre on a bandwagon. It's just one of those big wooden wheels, isn't it? That's not very 21st century like, is it? I prefer proper wheels. Well, how many 21st century bandwagons do you see? Well, in the 21st century, I see quite a few. But it's beside the point. I made a good analogy and you ruined it. No, I I made a good analogy and you've ruined it. You've ruined it. All right, let's crack on. <laughs> Preston won, Leeds won. Eddie and Ketia equalised in the last few minutes. Mm-hmm. Why the bloody hell isn't Eddie Nketiah starting games? Well, yeah, I saw Bielsa pretty much explain he's almost critical of um, journalists lead support in in the way he was trying to explain things. You know, he's pretty much saying that Bamford's the man that he links up to play. He he's the motor for the for the attacking phase, and then Ketia comes on and sort of does the rest. It's a weird sort of um, super sub. Yeah, you don't really want to be labelled a super sub, especially, you know, I saw Anketia play for the under-21s in the international break and he was brilliant. That's how dangerous he can be and now, yeah, I think he scored a couple of goals in the first half, so, you know, maybe starting more games, Leeds might put a few of those chances away. Yeah, yet to start a game so far this season. Patrick Bamford is one of the most underperforming strikers in the yeah. league in terms of expected goals. So it it does... It does boggle the mind a bit that you've got a guy like Enketia who does have a half-decent goal-scoring record, mm-hmm. isn't starting any games when one of the main problems for Leeds is not finishing off their bloody chances. Yeah, absolutely. I don't necessarily. They don't necessarily have to tweak anything. I'm sure Enketia can adapt to how Bielsa wants to to play him, but they've got enough in that final third. I.e., Hernandez. You've got your fullbacks. Um, Dallas Alioski and obviously Douglas when he comes in they've got enough in that final third to create opportunities for Nketiah I don't think it's going to impact the forward play too much I think it's going to make them less predictable So going back to what you said about Bamford and what uh, Bielsa said about Bamford Mm -hmm. Nketiah is a different player to how Bamford plays because Bamford contributes to the play more yeah, he contributes more to, you know, he comes deep for the ball. It obviously allows the, the forwards to come in and the wingers, the wing, uh, the fullbacks to get higher up to create the width for them. I don't I don't necessarily think it's imperative to how they play because of how fluid they are. But then, if that's the case, then you've got to question why Leeds signed Enketier in the first place if he isn't the type of striker that could or should be starting games yeah well we're not the only ones thinking that obviously Arsenal are having second thoughts as well so it's going to be an interesting few months leading up to January transfer window yeah do you think at the moment if you were in charge of the youth at Arsenal would you be looking at the Enketia situation and be thinking we need to get him back here because he could easily go to another championship team where he'll be starting every week couldn't he well he'd be doing that at Bristol wouldn't he right now yeah definitely um, so, Bristol City sorry um, so, uh, yeah, you sort of you get to that point where you think you're not really getting enough minutes. We're gonna we're gonna recall. It's as easy as that. There's been teams in the past that have done it. There are players now at the moment that are struggling to get minutes. So it's going to be an interesting 
transfer window for a lot of teams in that sense. Yeah, I mean, the main reason that he has gone alone is to get minutes. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to minutes, I don't think Arsenal are expecting a few minutes off the bench in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Some sent us a tweet uh, which said if Marcelo Bielsa had an unlimited amount of money on FIFA, he'd still play Patrick Bamford up front. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Preston, then we'll quickly touch on them. I feel like this is probably a good result for both sides, really, yes. because it is Preston with the best home record in yeah. the league against the second best away record mm-hmm. in Leeds. So really, a point suits Preston and Leeds, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and especially, obviously, Preston lost at the weekend. Um, so to bounce back with a good result against Leeds, and as you say, it's a good result for Leeds as well. You know, it's, it's fair all round, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Millwall two, Cardiff two. Adam Barrett's last game in charge before Gary Rowett takes over. Just before we talk about the Gary Rowett appointment, we've got to give some praise to Tom Bradshaw. The man is absolutely on fire. Five in his last four now. And it really shows how much Millwall <coughs> missed him last season, doesn't it? I'm certain you slated him at the start of the season. Tom Bradshaw? When I when I listed the strikers, I'm sure you questioned Bradshaw coming back to full fitness. I don't see why I would. I, I, I don't recall this. We'll have to listen back. But anyway, Tom Bradshaw. He's a, he's a good forward. He's scored goals... He was really he scored goals wherever he's been. He's been really unfortunate, especially last season. You know, he got not a big money move, but a good move from Barnsley to Millwall. And I thought Millwall could have probably done a lot more if they had a different striker in, um, available in Bradshaw. Without him, they you know they didn't have that um, second striker to play off. I can't remember who was it Gregory. Um, you know, he's, he's a good finisher, probably more natural finisher than Gregory was. And he's finally coming to coming to form. Yeah, with the appointment of Rowett and Bradshaw being in top form, Millwall fans have a lot to look forward to going into the next few games. I, I'd be fairly excited. I'd, I rate Rowett in certain circumstances. He's a good manager for teams like, obviously, we've seen with Birmingham. Derby was a decent spell. And Stoke, I think he was quite unfortunate to lose his job, but obviously... Yeah, you know, he lost his job. Um, but I think Millwall's the the ideal place for him, and he's got a good squad. I think Neil Harris put together one of the best squads Millwall have seen for a while in the summer. Um, so as as you say, I'd I'd be quite excited if I was a Millwall fan. Yeah, I agree. Pretty much the team that they've got, there are some good players in mm-hmm. there. There's some who I still have a few question marks over, but I mean the style of play, who. Tom Bradshaw, Tom no. Bradshaw. <laughs> the style of play suits Rowett and it's not too different to what Neil Harris has been playing. So I, I feel yeah. I feel like he is the perfect pick, really. Yeah, I think he, I think he'll get something different out of that Millwall team. He will make them better defensively while still being able to score goals. That's pretty much how his Derby team was set up. Um, so yeah, I, I I fancy them to finish. Lower to mid table this season and probably yeah. to kick on from there. They'll f- probably finish higher than where they are now, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cardiff, then, the Cardiff defence has been getting absolute pelters from it? the supporters, uh, particularly Aidan Flint. We've 
always had a few questions about his defensive ability. Can score goals though, can't we? <laughs> Well, not so often. You know, he's not. He's not really been too. Yeah, he has scored once this season. I think. I think yeah, he scored a couple of times last season as well. Only one, I think. Yeah, and that's in an Tony Pulis side where you expect, mm-hmm. you know, goals every single, well, not every single week, but yeah. <laughs> quite quite often. Didn't you put a bet on him for double figures last season? Yeah, as well? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually did because I thought Tony Pulis side mixed with Aidan Vinks, he got eight in his last season at Bristol City I think and I thought he would only go on further Mm -hmm. but only got one and in the end he wasn't even going up for corners I don't think he seems to have got worse in more ways than one progressively worse just yeah in general (laughs) yeah uh, Middlesbrough fans didn't particularly rate him too much during his season long spell so Carter spent a bit of money on him in the summer and you've got to start questioning why that is really yeah, it's, it, it was a weird one because he's not particularly fast. He, he gets done by a long ball quite often. I saw it a few times for when he was playing for Bristol City that he was really slow. Obviously, he's a big guy, but I don't think he's suited to higher-end championship football. Every team, every team he's played in has been fairly susceptible to defensive errors and that's, that's showing now, isn't it? If he wasn't as known for his goals, do you think he would be at the level that he is? Probably not. It might sound harsh, but... What level would you say then? Lower championship? Probably a Millwall, to be honest with you. Yeah, fair point. It's not a dig at Millwall, but they don't play high, high-line expansive football. They sit quite deep, and, he's, and he's good at knocking the ball away of his head. So. Aidan Flint and Jake Cooper... They'd never lose a header. No. <laughs> Mind you, we yeah. thought of that about Sean Morrison and Aidan Flint, but it's clearly not going to mm. plan at the moment. Uh, Wednesday 1, Stoke nil. Massimo Luongo with the only goal of the game. Wednesday have snuck back up the league again. They're now third yeah. in the table. And the weird thing is, Wednesday fans have told me they don't think they've actually played particularly well this season. I've, I've seen a few um, tweets saying... They're playing pretty ugly football, but Gary Monk's getting getting results out of them, and that's pretty much what we expected from Gary Monk. Not necessarily ugly football, but certainly, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I think we might be expecting ugly football because they they didn't particularly play ticky tacker at Birmingham City last season, did they? True, true. Uh, but one thing I've got to say about what Gary Monk has done is. As you say, they are organised. I also think at the moment he's settled on his first eleven, mm-hmm. which I think is always a bonus. And we see quite a few mm-hmm. teams who they don't know their strongest team. Yeah, I'd say at the moment Wednesday do probably know their strongest eleven. That's that was probably one of Wednesday's strength in the coming from the summer. They had a fairly you know, they got rid of a lot of Deadwood, not Deadwood, but older players that are on a fair bit of money. You know that made things a lot easier. Um, in terms of personnel, you know they've got the main man up front, Fletcher, who's obviously been scoring goals this season. You've got your two wide players who have been in form all season, Harris and Murphy. And obviously, I know Hutchinson's been Not injured. as much Murphy. Yeah. Murphy's been dropped from the team now. Reach is now playing on the wing. But that's meant Luongo's been able to come into the centre mm-hmm. and doing a sterling job. Yeah, and he's, he's a good player. And I was surprised QPR got rid of him. And I think Wednesday is starting to see the, the qualities that he has. Yeah, absolutely. I've, it's also got to be said... It helps that their second choice keeper in Cameron Dawson is probably 
one of the best second choices yeah. in the league. Uh, he made an absolutely world-class save uh, during midweek and it's interesting to see who will play at the weekend. I say they've got a settled 11. Yeah. There's question marks now about whether Kieran Westbrook will come back into the team because Dawson's been in such fine form mm. and you talk about Dawson and Westwood, two quality keepers from yeah. how they've done in a Wednesday shirt so far. Massive game on Saturday though, Leeds at home. It's going to be a good one. That'll be 12.30 kickoff on Sky, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It is. That, cause it, that's a tasty one. Yeah, it's hard to see which way that's going to go at the moment because Wednesday keep grinding out the results. Are Leeds at home? No, it's Wednesday at home. Okay. I can could, I could see Wednesday nicking it to be honest with you. Leeds are better away though, aren't they? They are, but obviously Bamford's not scoring and I think Wednesday have got the strength in depth to handle, you know, that obvious change at some point. No, no. <laughs> no, no, all over it. Stoke then, two wins in a row before this game and yeah. then a loss here. I mean, going to Hillsborough is always tricky, mm-hmm. but how Stoke respond at the weekend is going to be very important for how their season pans out, really, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're going to be one of those teams that reacts well to a good form pretty much because they're down there at the bottom they need a run of results you know it wasn't a particularly good day at the office for them they played relatively poor for their standards I know which is them being so far down the table you think they haven't played well all season but but they have mm. the reality is they have um, so as you say getting getting a result on, on Saturday is, is really important because they could easily go on another another run being being that confidence is quite low already yeah Millwall away is the next game as we always say, Millwall away, tricky game. Mm-hmm. Interesting to see, especially when it's Gary Rowett's first game. Uh, Fulham 3, Luton 2, Alexander Mitrovic hat-trick. Two wins in their last eight. Uh, so this was an important win for Scott Barker, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. They've Obviously, as you say, the form's not been great. Their performances have been fairly average. And you know, they're still leaking goals as well, which is frustrating, but... When you've got a player like Mitrovic up front, he's always going to score goals. You know, he's the top scorer in the championship at the moment, so that's a big bonus for them. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that when you consider Fulham haven't particularly hit top gear yet. That Mitrovic is still top scorer, and yeah. even though he has been starved, starved off the ball at times, mm-hmm. he is still finding that. And I think the reality is, everyone knows. He probably shouldn't be playing in the championship, no, should he? No. <laughs> well, we were both surprised that he signed a new deal. We expected mm-hmm. him to leave Fulham in the summer, so him being there is they'd be they wouldn't be where they are without him this season. No, no, absolutely not. We know how much they passed the ball and how much they've struggled to make the possession count this season, mm-hmm. but this wasn't one of those days. On another day, they could have scored even more. Yeah. They had sixty-two percent possession here, and that's one point for them. Isn't yeah, it? that's the point I wanted <laughs> to make that. At times this season, they've had you know between seventy and eighty percent possession. Mm. Could it be that similar to Forest that they're more effective when they don't have as much of the ball? Do you think they have players that can hit teams on the counter attack? I mean, you think they've got Cavaliero and and Nocar in the wide areas. They've got Brian who can push quite high up and easily get back quite quickly as well. They've got players that that can play on the back foot as well. As I say, hitting teams on the counter attack, but they just they they've obviously settled on one style of play, and if I'm sure if they mix it up, they will be a lot higher up um, in the table. Yeah, absolutely. Luton, 
I find it hard to decide what to make of this Luton side. Mm. I have said I think they'll go down this season. At the moment, I'm going to stand by that. But one thing I would like to say about the club as a whole is whenever I try to find some reaction from the supporters to poor results, they never seem to be angry because the fans always seem to be saying along the lines of unlucky boys, no shame in that. And I suppose in this day and age of social media, it's quite nice to see. Positivity, yeah, God. Yeah, wow. Positivity. One player, one player I would like to give a shout out is Izzy Brown. Mm-hmm. Fantastic player. Surprisingly, some Luton fans aren't a fan of him, which I find a bit bizarre. But he created eight chances in this game, which is the most from the midweek games mm-hmm. in the Championship. So, fair play to him. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I, I, him as a player is he's a, he's a plus for most teams. He's had his injury problems. He was good for Huddersfield back when they won promotion. It's nice to see him back in. I think if Luton are going to have a good chance of staying up, him being in the team is going to be a big help Yeah, because of how creative he is. You've got to remember as well, he was at Leeds last season. I know he wasn't particularly starting in that Mm -hmm. Leeds team, but he's capable of getting, you know, minutes in that Leeds side. And now he's playing at a Luton team who we expect to finish in the lower end of the table. So really, it's quite surprising that he hasn't gone to someone with higher ambitions, I suppose, in the Championship than Luton. Luton are an up-and-coming team. They're relatively local to him, obviously. He's based down south in London as well. So it's a good move all round. And Luton have got a player, they just need to play him a bit more. Yeah. West Brom 2, Barnsley 2. Albion managed to rescue... Uh, a point after going two goals down. This was a bit of a coupon buster. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, Adam Murray has done a solid job as caretaker manager so far. Uh, before we go on to West Brom, Barnsley are the favourites for relegation yeah. with the bookies. However, are you encouraged by how they've done under Adam Murray? And potentially he is still the favourite as far as I'm aware to get the job. Are you encouraged that he could potentially turn things around? Uh, I'll be honest, I don't think he could. The team is not in the best shape in terms of personnel and it's showing. You know, you take a 2-0 lead anywhere, you've got to see the game out and they didn't. They didn't build on it either. You know, Collie Woodrow scored his second in the 24th minute. You know, you want to sort of try and create a bit more and, and, and put more chances away and they, they weren't able to do that. Um, I know it's a big ask away at West Brom, but this this game sort of highlights their frailties. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'll give you the same question that I asked Nick on Sunday's episode. If Adam Murray does get the full time job, what do you see his expectations being, or do you see it as a bit of a free hit with there being not really any expe- any expectation at all? They're not adrift, so it being a free hit would be a bit of a cop out for Barnsley. I think the expectation is you've got to you've got to try and guide us out. If you don't, as long as performances and results are improving and you're developing the players that we have here, fair enough. We'll take a chance on you next season. Would you be happy with at least looking like they p- could potentially get out of the relegation zone, but ultimately getting relegated? That's that's pretty much what I just said. As I say, you know, if, if, if performances are there, your players are developing and they're not getting absolutely panned because it could easily turn into a season where. They concede three, four, five goals. So you'd be asking, weeks. just don't get cut, cut adrift. 
Pretty much, yeah. yeah fair enough. West Brom then. Uh, Mitch on Twitter says the first half is the worst West Brom have played this season by far. The strike mm-hmm. force were not fit, hence why we never managed to score until we made all three substitutes. Um, someone else on Twitter whose name I haven't written down, I'm afraid. Uh, struggled to create chances in this game. Something that's not happened much so far this season. And I suppose, really, that's to the credit of Barnsley. Yeah, they're a, they're a team that they, they like to press. I know they've probably been a little bit more organised under Murray. Um, but I know Murray himself has been renowned sort of playing nice football. And perhaps West Brom were a little bit surprised, taken aback. You know, they've not been as open as they have been in terms of conceding chances. So a bit of naive, naivety from West Brom. But they'll learn more from this game than they will from winning 4-5-0 yeah absolutely uh, just final points on West Brom interestingly we mentioned Bamford earlier being one of the most un- underperforming strikers mm-hmm. in terms of expected goals Charlie Austin is also up there which is quite odd really when you usually class him as a reliable clinical striker at this level <laughs> don't you yeah absolutely he's, he's a player at a championship level who in the past has been the best striker at championship level by by a country mile, uh, he's a natural finisher. He's he's good in the air. Um, so him being as low as he is in terms of goal scoring, taking chances, etc., et is a surprise. But then again, this West Brom team, not to a disservice to them, they're they're built up of individuals at the moment, and I think that that I think the stats back that up. To be fair, um, so I think. As the season goes on, you start to, you'll probably start to see the team evolve a bit more. As you say, it's Billich's first season as manager, then performing as they are, is a bit of is a bit of of a surprise, but not so much, not too much of a surprise. Hmm. Just going back to what you said, you think they're a team of individuals. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we mm. need to get on. But do you mean the the attacking te- attacking side of things? Because I, I imagine, <clears throat> apart from maybe that front three, the rest of the side is quite a unit really I, as I say I mean I'm referring to the attacking sort of uh, forward play yeah. they're, they're more individual individually based you know they're dribblers etc you've seen the amount of goals that the Angana and Pierre have scored themselves that pretty much sums, sums that sort of theory up okay fair enough Swansea nil, Brentford 3 side Ben Rama my love for him on this podcast <laughs> is been echoed many a time mm. and he's struggled to really hit the heights this season the theory is that his head might have been a bit turned by transfer speculation and he also had a bit of a bad ankle injury yeah. uh, coming into the new season but now he seems to be hitting top form which is bad news for the rest of the championship two assists against Millwall at the weekend and then scored an absolute beauty mm. in this game it's time to get excited about Brentford I think they've finally picked up a bit of form which is great um, I know they uh, they were 2-0 down at the weekend but they turned it around and obviously getting a result away at Swansea battering them pretty much is a, is a huge result and a huge step forward for them um, and players as you say are coming into form at the right times yeah the bookies only have three teams shorter than Brentford to finish in the top six which is quite surprising considering they're still only 12th in the table is it surprising? Because no, none of the teams up there have been particularly outstanding. We've seen Forest lose. No one's been consistent yet. Particularly, no, have they? you know Leeds have stumbled a bit. Forest have 
recently like, lost back-to-back games and West Brom you know recently lost their unbeaten record as well so and it's got to be mentioned in terms of the underlying data Brentford are performing much higher mm-hmm. than pretty much everyone else with yeah. the exception of Leeds and West Brom really mm-hmm. so over the course of the season these th- these things tend to even out yeah it's just a matter with Brentford of getting the points on the board, really. Uh, Swansea, after a great start to the season, mm-hmm. they've now picked up just one win in their last seven, Justin. Yeah. Have the wheels come off? <sighs> It'd be easy to say yes, because, as you say, one win in seven is a poor run of form for any team. It doesn't matter where you are on the table, but if you're up there, you've got to, you've got to be winning two or three games on the trot uh, if you have any ambition of going up. Yeah, they weren't actually too bad in this game. The scoreline perhaps flatters Brentford a bit. But one thing that seems to be of a concern to me is how Swansea seem a bit more open mm-hmm. at defensively than they have done earlier in the season because you look at that back line at the start of the season, Van der Horn, Roden, Roberts and Bidwell look like a very good yeah. back four. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem to be as much of a wall as no. it did at the start of the season no it's yeah you, you, you're definitely right there they it comes back down to form they're not scoring a lot of goals either at the moment there's seemed to be a bit of an imbalance in the play so i can't see them faltering too much but they've got to get a result um yeah fairly soon yeah absolutely and it's got to be pointed out it's not ideal being in a bad run of form before the big one at the weekend south wales derby Interesting. Another Swansea are at home. Another no-no. It's, it's going to be interesting because Cardiff's form away from home is pretty poor. Swansea, not in greatest mm, form yeah. in general. So, yeah, no-no. QPR 2, Reading 2. Sam Bulldog equalised late on to earn Reading a point. Ryan on Twitter says, Reading away at QPR. That performance deserved three points. Reading should have had three goals, especially after dominating the first half. An unbeaten start to Mark Bowen's reign as Reading manager, though. There's been a lot of Reading managers in the past, and they've had a subsequently they've had a lot of new manager bounces. So I'm still a bit sceptical of how this will go. Yeah, let's uh, ask you the question then, because the appointment was last week, but you weren't here for Sunday's oh, episode. That's absolutely good. So, oh, yeah. what are your thoughts on the appointment of Mark Bowen as Reading manager? <sighs> If if he hadn't have won at the weekend, I'd have been so critical of it. And I still am in a way. It's it's such a bizarre appointment in how it happened. You know, you go from a technical director. I was saying when we discussed the link that he, you know, an an article recently came out of him saying he's enjoying his role as sporting director. It's different than being on the training ground. And then about three days later, he's appointed Reading manager. It's just, it's just bizarre, and I don't it doesn't really sit well. And Nick made the point at the weekend on the pod that he's from the school of Mark Hughes, which isn't the greatest hmm. of schools. Interesting quote from Charlie Adam talking about training now mm-hmm. under Mark Bowen. The players are happy, the level of training has gone up and the intensity has gone through the roof. We were playing crazy football at times and it was costing us. Now we have a way of playing. That's Charlie Adam, formerly of Stoke, formerly a dis- not descendant, but... 
Say no more. A recipient of Mark Hughes' tactics. I'm not. I'm not buying into that. Cinema. QPR then uh, Tom on Twitter says many championship teams would have won after being ahead tonight if we don't sort out the defence soon we could be in real trouble when the goals dry up and really that said this so many times. that echoes kind of what I said with my concerns about this QPR team they are in the playoffs I think mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but the defence is such an issue and even the most loyal Reading fan, QPR. Reading QPR fan, sorry, can't ignore that, can they? No. How many times have we said it over the last five, six weeks that QPR's defence is quite easily bottom six standard, but their attack is quite easily top six? It's. But it I'm, is for I'm now. Super- they could potentially lose Ebby easy in well, January. Potentially, yeah. You know, it's fine lines in football and. You know, if Hugo Wells, if they get injured or recalled, I don't know if they've got recall clauses, but, you know, talking hypothetically, if the goals dry up, they're knackered. You know, it's they're, they're going to struggle to get results if, as I say, the goals dry up. Yep, next six games, Brentford, Leeds, Middlesbrough, Fulham, Forest, Derby. This this will be a really interesting run because I'm not, I don't think they've been particularly challenged yet with the teams that they've played so far. Um, so this will be an interesting test for them, especially their attacking um, trio of Hughes, um, Hughes, Hugo, Wells, and Easy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bristol City two, Charlton one. Josh Brownhill got a ninety-eighth minute winner. The Charlton Twitter account said the winner was undeserved. I'm not sure which game they were watching because <laughs> Bristol City could have easily won this by yeah. at least five. Yeah. They also had 23 shots to Charlton's 10. Mm-hmm. So make of that what you will. But it's a good way to bounce back for Bristol after a terrible performance against Luton at the weekend. Yeah, well, I saw a tweet um, earlier on today saying, you know, is it the end of Lee Johnson's streaky Reputation after two games, after two games potentially. Yeah, yeah you never know. I mean, it, I, the streaky Lee Johnson thing. I'm not sure whether he needs to get rid of that if Bristol City do want to get promoted. He has yesterday, but if he done. does, then we'll have to see if that helps. But winning more games than losing is obviously a key factor to going up. I don't know, I thought so. Yeah. Analysis. <laughs> Second tier podcast, you get it here. Uh, Fomara Jeju got sent off as well after a bit of a ruckus, but we need to talk about that post match interview. Can we talk about Casey Palmer's assist first? Go on. Because that was a sublime ball, and I'd argue the touch from Brown Hill was just a little bit better. In the 98th minute, and now you can mechanically nice. move on. Let's talk about Lee Johnson's post-match interview. What's that about? I don't know. It's weird. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, Lee Johnson says the ending to that match left him excited. Mm -hmm. I I presume it's a club journalist Mm -hmm. who asked the question. Said to him, does it get you more excited than sex? It's very partridge. Uh, it's very weird. It's, it makes me feel awkward. My theory is, the club journalist has asked that as a joke at the end of the interview. 
they've posted on social media and forgot to cut it out. Mm. It's got. It's the only thing I can see. Either that or Bristol City have just tried to get viral. The way social media admins are in football at the moment, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Mm. Very funny, though. I've watched it so many it's times so today. Weird. It's, it's so, so weird. weird. <laughs> Charlton, they're, they've had a bit of a tricky run of games, actually, in their last five. They've played Leeds, Fulham, Bristol City and Swansea mm-hmm. and have come out with four points from those four teams. Mm-hmm. So you'd probably take that, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. They, they, I think they're starting to run into a uh, sort of a standard of form that they're, that they're probably going to settle on. They're going to win... They're going to get some good results. They're going to lose a couple of games. Yeah, they've got West Brom. Being one of them. Yeah, they've got West Brom at the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the fixtures ease up a bit. And you've also got Lyle Taylor coming back soon, yep. which he announced on Twitter this week. So really, there's a lot to look forward to for Charlton fans, isn't there? Yeah, it would be interesting to see Bond and Taylor up front just because of the form Bond's been in. Mm. I think they'd make a good partnership. But obviously, on the flip side of that, Williams is out for a couple of months. Johnny Williams is out for a couple of months, and he's been brilliant this season for them. Um, so it puts a little bit more pressure on Gallagher, but I think he can step up. Yeah, absolutely. Derby one, Wigan nil. A brilliant last-minute goal by Graham Shinney wrapped up the points in this game. Jack on Twitter says Derby only got the three points on the account of being slightly less shits than Wigan were. <laughs> That's great. It is blatantly clear that the same problems are still there for us. I'm not sure Jack's right, because I don't think Derby were slightly less shit. I thought Derby were shitter than Wigan and did not deserve the three points in this game. Well, Wigan were fairly unlucky, but how much luck can you have when you miss a couple of one-on-one opportunities? You know, they lost that game because they didn't take the chances. Thanks. Analysis, second tier. We've got it. Yeah, Derby were really poor and Wigan yeah. deserved at least a point. One thing that shocked me when I looked at the table yeah. earlier, Derby on the same number of points as Brentford. <laughs> well, that's that's the championship, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think Derby haven't even got into second gear yet this season. I don't think Derby have played well since the first game of the season. Yeah, that well, that that 20 minute spell where they scored twice in like 5 minutes. Yeah, you're right. They have they haven't played well all season, um, and that's probably more leaning toward the fact that the squad isn't as good as it has been. No, no. For, for, and Koku's had less time to work with it. Yeah, but that, that's stating the obvious, really. Yeah. And Derby this season, what the ambitions are at this stage. I mean, the playoffs again. I presume as the target at the start of the season. I, I can't see that happening. I think any team of Derby, Bristol City, any team of that sort of stature, Forest as well, they're going to look to the playoffs as a minimum. But then again, you look at other variables that affect it, like obviously your phobia getting injured for Bristol City. You know they sort of distort the expectations a little bit. Derby fans have got to temper their expectations a hell of a lot because they lost so they lost well not everything but pretty much. Three best players. The three best players last season. Arguably fourth with Keo as well. Yeah, I made a point to some supporters in the week that this is the worst Derby squad since they were playing with Theo Robinson up front. <laughs> so temper those expectations and just ride the wave, enjoy it. 
I miss the days of Theo Robinson and Chris Everybody Porter is. up front for Everybody Derby. <laughs> Wigan, we'll touch on quickly because they were very unlucky here. I, I thought there were some very good individual performances from this Wigan side. They just could not <clears> put the ball in the net yep. and weren't done by a brilliant strike. But again, that they probably deserved to win here or at least get a point and then they beat Forest at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Maybe Wigan... Things are turning around. No, you're not. You're not convinced. No, I'm not. I, I still don't think Cook's the right man. That he should be getting so much more out of this team. I think I say it every week now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if they win, lose or draw. I'll, I'll keep repeating it. I say it. Well, saying that if they win ten on the bounce, then I'll eat my words. But they haven't. They've not gone near that. This result for them pretty much sums up the sort of feel sorry for myself attitude that the players have sometimes especially away from home which is why their away form has been so poor Okay, we'll, we'll go into this a bit more on a Sunday's episode because we've got to move on with the final two games Birmingham 1 Blackburn nil. Mitch on Twitter says first half brilliant but just missing that second goal second half we sat back too early but defended well enough <clears throat> he reckons one or two players uh, two or three players away from playoff contention Dave says should have won more comfortably, but we sank a tad deep in the second half. We need a goal scorer desperately. Hopefully we can stay in touch in January and this can be addressed. Playoffs? It's it's an interesting one because there probably are a Shea Adams away from being top off. You know, they lost a lot of goals, they didn't replace it. They've got the technical quality in that team now and we've seen Clotet over the last five, six weeks get more out of them. Um but their form at the moment is screaming, inconsistent, mid-table, lower mid-table finish. I like this Blues team. I do. And if they did have a, a Shea Adams kind of player, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. They would be better off. I'm not sure they're better than some of the teams aiming for the playoffs, though. I think there are a lot of teams going for the playoffs this season. And Birmingham seems to be behind a lot of them yeah it's as I say it's hard it's hard to judge Birmingham just because of how inconsistent they've been mm. they've got a good squad relatively good squad they've got a, as I said a lot of technical quality in there you know they, they've two, they've probably got two of the best fullbacks in the league as well in Pedersen and Colin in terms of consistency they two, those two have been absolutely superb this season you know Besides a new goalkeeper and an extra forward, I don't think they need too much. I'd probably add a centre half in there as well. Centre mid. I think they've got enough in there. Mm-hmm. I I don't think they're too far away from the playoffs, but it's hard to judge them just because of how there's there's so many factors like Clotet and the, the ones I just mentioned in terms of players. Yeah, Saint Nick on it Sunday. He's still the caretaker. He'll be done, a, done a half decent job, really, hasn't he? Do you reckon if he leaves, he will actually become? Caretaker at the ground. Just sweep Could it. Could do. I mean, he'll have to do Coventry games as well, won't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blackburn Dom on Twitter says, as soon as Holtby wasn't in the team lineup, our chances went. It's. I feel sorry for Blackburn because we don't give them much coverage because every week just seems to be. Not much going on in the in the lives no, of Blackburn fans. That was Tony Mowbray in a nutshell. Though. They're just mid-table. We say this every week. They are the most mid-table team in the division, aren't they? This was a very mid-table game. Just mm. even looking at the stats of the yeah. game. Um, 
It is unfortunate because they've got such a good squad of players as well. Do you think they're underperforming? Yeah, yeah, no, there's no question about that. They they should be a lot higher. I, I I'd agree. I, I'd go even as far to say we were talking about some of the teams challenging for promotion, uh, challenging for the playoffs this season. I'd say this Blackburn team is better than a number of those teams. The money they've spent on that forward line. You compare them to QPR, who have spent almost nothing. Yeah. You've, you've got to be performing higher. Yeah, yeah. yeah There's a lot of scrutiny there, and I think it's fair. Yeah. Huddersfield nil, Middlesbrough nil is our final game, unsurprisingly. Joseph on Twitter <laughs> says, a game lacking quality. Borough should have won and had great chances. Both teams were unbelievably sloppy with the ball. It was clear both sides were at the bottom. Yep. It sounds like this was an absolute barnstormer, Justin. Huddersfield, it's got to be said, even though they have picked up recently in terms mm-hmm. of results, they are just still third bottom. They've got Barnsley at the weekend, and that's looking like a must-win game, isn't it? It's hard to call any game must-win in October. You say that. Huddersfield, I think, are second favourites for relegation. Barnsley are the favourites. We've tipped Huddersfield to move up the table, mm. but if they do want to move up the table, this is a game they've got to win, isn't it? Well, if it gives them three points, yeah, obviously. Analysis, the second <laughs> tier. And Borough then, two points from their last six. It is a sorry state of affairs at Middlesbrough at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I think one of the more worrying things is Hombonga's not scoring goals. He's mm. one of the most natural goal scorers in the Championship and they're not getting anything out of him. That, that, that for me, is one of the main worries for Borough. Especially when you think, oh, they've got Robbie Keane as a as a coach there. Surely he, he might be able to get a bit more out of that, you know, attacking phase. And it's not really working for me. No, no. Well, we'll go into the teams a bit more in depth on Sunday's episode. This has been the second tier podcast. We've been rounding up the midweek games. It's been another fantastic week of championship action. As per usual, we'll be back again on Sunday. If you could, as usual, make sure that you leave us a review a rating those kind of things yeah if you could leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts that'd be perfect yeah yeah please if you could do that that'd be fantastic and send a nice review of how nice the main host's voice is mine is really good thank you this has been the second tier podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening Make you feel all right.